This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Elliott, dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 98 of Press Pass, brought to you by Online. I'm Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. It's a new week. That's all I have to say because last week, <laughs> like 2020, was an absolute nightmare. Mm. 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 You can say that again. Right? <laughs> absolute nightmare. Oh. Like, wake me up already. Seriously. Man, I mean, like, on a, a number of fronts. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yeah. It, it, you could just go down the list. But we're going to hopefully start your week off the right way or midweek, whatever you want to call it, by talking a little college football because we are clearly starting to get closer to everybody being back. But um, these games are getting, in some aspects, a little better and others not. And we'll get into that in a minute. So I do want to go over the AP poll this week. Clemson at the top, no surprise, with 52 first-place votes. Alabama with eight first-place votes, followed by Georgia, Florida and Notre Dame, which I'm still like, what is, what are they doing in the top five? I have no clue. Yep. Um, Ohio state has two first place votes though at the sixth spot. They have yet to play. We will see them soon. Miami at seven, uh, followed by North Carolina. Okay. I see you. And Penn state. And here's, here's the one that's just like, wow, we talked about this so much in the off season, but Oklahoma state Gundy and Oklahoma state. At 10. And they, for the most part, have looked the best in the Big 12 because all of those teams right now are absolutely horrible. But it's just so funny because we we did talk about the response of that team after all of the stuff that went down with Gundy. So I do think it's interesting that they have started off the season pretty well. No, definitely. I mean, one of the best running backs in the country as well, so that definitely helps you. The, the fact of the matter is they don't play um, a lot of defense. You probably heard something just drop right there, so that's what happens when you're <laughs> podcasting at home. They don't play a lot of defense in that conference, so 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like anybody who has a potent enough offense uh, has a shot there. Yeah. Now, I'll, we'll talk about this real quick. Number six, Ohio State. Um, and I understand yes. why they're there. Did you see the Clemson writer who was like hurt over the fact that OSU had two first place votes? Two first place votes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a shame. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, just to, to rewind a little bit going into the season we clearly know what this team has. We clearly know what Ryan Day has done there and the respect he has amongst college football. I don't think it's really a big surprise. Yeah, I know they're not playing right now, but it wasn't their choice to be in the polls. That's what they said they would do. They said that they would put the Big Ten and the Pac-12 in the polls now, even though they're not playing. So it's their fault? Like, apparently. (laughs) Get over it. Yeah, I agree. These people are I mean, just insufferable sometimes. I know. I just hope like when Ohio State starts playing and hopefully, you know, what they prove out there on the field, that guy will shut up. So retweet there. There you go. OK, we're going to get into our first segment. We're just kind of wrapping up some of the things that stuck out this past weekend and what, you know, might carry over to this weekend. So we'll start by going into the SEC and. I'm just starting to wonder, Joshua, Jimbo Fisher left Florida State. Sure. And he's like wanting to find new life in the SEC. I get it. Some of us get stale where we are. I totally get that. But since coming to A&M, he's completely underachieved. 2020 was supposed to be the year that Jimbo really had a team that was going to compete. Mm-hmm. And they have been not good. And Kellen Mond is not developing. And it, it pains me to see that because I wanted to see this kid develop. Mm-hmm. It is a shame. And Jimbo Fisher has coached some really good quarterbacks. So I guess it's a little bit curious, but I feel like Jimbo has gotten entirely too much credit. He's been let off the hook too much. And here's the reason mm-hmm. I say that is because after Jameis was gone, Florida State basically vanished into oblivion. And really it was um, in 2014, actually, they got just railroaded by Oregon in the semifinal, national semifinal. And that was really kind of like the beginning of the end. But Jimbo, every offseason, it seemed like there was a lot of smoke around his name for some of these big openings. And um, all these schools wanted to pay him a ton of money, which Texas A&M ended up doing. And he left Florida State in shambles. They're still in disarray right now. Um, They cannot figure it out. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has since gone to Texas A&M. They have endless money. Um, they, they recruit the state of Texas. They have a nice recruiting base in Oklahoma, Arkansas, uh, Missouri, all the way over Mississippi, yeah. Louisiana. I can go on. And they still want to be ass. And I, I think part of it for me was that was never, I think, a position where somebody was going to come into Texas A&M and be, you know, like king of the SEC. It just never made sense. But mm-hmm. when you invest that much money in a coach – you need to see the payoff on the investment. Well, yeah, absolutely. And how much you had mentioned just like so much hype that Jimbo gets. And I get it. Like Jimbo had success at Florida State. He produced some good players. But it's almost like going into this Texas A&M job, you would, you would think that he would bring them to a level of competing at mm-hmm. this point. Mm-hmm. And now you're just looking at it as like, man, did we give this guy too much hype? They did. And 
that's what it seems like. It really does. No, they absolutely so, did. I, I never, again, like, I don't, I'm not a big Jimbo Fisher guy. I never thought that he was the elite coach that everybody made him out to be. Um, yeah. Obviously, he had some very elite seasons, won a national title. So it's not to say that he is a bad football coach because he's not. But right. the hype just, to me, it never made sense. It never went yeah. in line uh, with what I thought of him as a football coach. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to shake out with that, but I know this year is an exception for a lot of these players or these coaches where they're not probably going to get kicked out the door because of all of this, because of the money that's needing to be saved. So I, I don't expect anything changing soon, but that's something to look out for if this program doesn't start to develop um, eventually because they are in the SEC. They're expected to compete. Um, like you said, they have endless money there, so there's no excuse um, I'll say not to get them up there. Yeah. Just from them competing though, they're in the West. They have yeah. Alabama, Auburn, LSU. Sure. You know, like I, I just <sighs> never had I get high it. Hopes. Never had high right. hopes. I get it, but don't you agree that they have everything they need at their fingertips to try to bring that program to that level. That's my point. That's why they hire, hired Jimbo Fisher. Yes. To get no. that program to that point, right? I mean, I agree 100%, but like, I'm just, I'm trying to do the gymnastics to get there to where you can justify how much they paid him. Because when you pay him no, that type right. of money, what you're yeah. basically saying is that we are going to be the program that contends with Alabama year in and year out. And that, to me, was never going to be a reality. You just didn't think it was realistic. Right? No, there's there's too much going on there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. depending on what the year is, Mississippi State or Ole Miss, how much they're cheating down there, depending on yeah. the year. I mean, I, it's a tough path for me. No, I get it. I totally get it. It's uh, the amount of money that's being thrown around to these coaches these days is just uh, mind boggling to me. Let's move on to the conference that um, we're not ever going to like not mention in our podcast. <laughs> and unfortunately it's never in a positive way. We're I'm so sorry, but not sorry, big 12, because you have dug your own grave mm -hmm. and essentially they have pretty much X'd out almost all of their teams potentially going to the college football playoff now yep. because Texas lost to TCU, which I brought that up last podcast. I said, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't have a great feeling about this. Well, they lost to TCU, Tom Herman, Texas, hmm. and then Oklahoma. It is mind boggling to me that they yep. have lost two straight yep. to schools where they are superior mm -hmm. to in the sure. big 12. Absolutely. Just losing to um, Iowa State sure. this past weekend, I and then they're they're both pl they're playing each other this week, yes, uh, the Saturday. So this is going to be hilarious just to see these two teams that are supposed to be at the top of their conference battling with each other. I don't expect a lick of defense. Nope. I mean, I'm predicting the score to be like seventy to sixty five. No, I'm just joking, but I, I expect it to be high. I mean, <laughs> are you really joking though? I mean, <laughs> uh, joking, what, not joking. What what I expect is, um, you know, five, six, seven overtimes, just, you know, just scoring. Right. Blow for blow. Yeah. But here's the reality of the situation. For Oklahoma, the last time they lost their first two, or I guess maybe it was back-to-back -back conference game or the, f the first two 
uh, Big 12 conference games, whatever it was, was 1998. Spencer Rattler, their quarterback, was born in the year 2000. Correct. So he wasn't even That's alive crazy. the last time that they were that poo-poo. Just to Whoa, put that, that in perspective. Nuts. It's it's absolutely that is nuts. nuts. And that's the type of program that they have. Oklahoma is a blue blood program in college football. They, they have, are. They have been yeah. great in multiple decades. They have had yeah. all kinds of great players. We've seen their run on Heisman Trophy winners and finalists. As of, of late, their runs in the college football playoff. Like This is a program that we have high expectations for, and they, they look bad. Flip that over bad. to Texas. That's a program that's gotten too much benefit of the doubt. And I've said it time and time again. This is the last time I'm going to say it. Texas hasn't been back. They're not nope. back. They're not nope. going to be back. Stop nope. saying it. Texas yeah. lost five games a year ago and finished in the top 25. Stop doing that. I don't care what the brand is. I don't care what the history is. I don't care what the money is. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care who the quarterback is. They are not that good. Stop. They so. stink. And the hook'em horns, like, you can put your horns down because the horns have been down for a long time. For a long so time. Here's my deal, deal though. We got Red River coming up, like you said. Going to be right. an interesting game. This is how this is how I, I think it plays out is Spencer Rattler has been fine. He hasn't been he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been great. He what? he lacks the ability to change the game when he needs to. When it's crunch time and when they need him to go down there and be the elite quarterback, the guy, he hasn't been able to do that. But right. I think Lincoln Riley is playing with house money to a certain point because his yeah. job is not in jeopardy. They're not going to fire him. He's been no, great for years. Not. He's he's produced really well, made it to the college football playoff, all that stuff, right? So Lincoln Riley can go into this game. He can go probably understanding they've lost two in a row and that's not where they want to be. But the fact of the matter is he can coach looser because he feels like he has a longer leash. Tom Herman, yeah. on the other hand, his yeah. ass right now is frying yeah. like bacon. That seat is hot. It's sizzling. 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 <laughs> so he's going to be coaching tight. He knows he has to win this game. It's a rivalry game. He had a, a tight one with Texas Tech. He lost to TCU. They're like the fourth, fifth best program in the state of Texas right now. Texas A&M's better. Texas Tech was damn near better. SMU's probably better right now. Baylor's probably better. TCU's better. Houston's probably better. I mean, you go down the list right now. He is in a, a very compromised position. He's exposed. And so yeah. he's he's got to go in there, and he's he's going to be coaching tight to win the game. He doesn't have very many other options because if he loses this one, who knows if he makes it all the way through this season. He, this is, this was the writing was on the wall. We talked about this yep. in the offseason. He fired, I think Todd Orlando was coordinating his defense, fired him. Tim Beck was coordinating his offense, fired him. Right, Tim Beck's over at North Carolina State right now. Their offense is balling. He brings in a new offensive coordinator, brings in my guy Chris Ash, want to coordinate the defense. Those guys, they don't look like they're doing a great job. They're scoring points on offense, give them that 100%. But they they threw for, for you know 230, and I think they ran for 140. Tom Herman's teams want to be 250 and 250 plus on the yeah. stat sheet, and they, they haven't achieved that. So here he is. When you, when you fire your coordinators – and you bring in new people, 
That is when the writing's on the wall. It's saying we're blowing this thing up. We're going a completely different direction. You can't fire the coordinators over again. The next thing you're doing is you're firing the head coach. He doesn't have that much time, people. You got to figure it out. The time is ticking away and it's ticking away quickly, especially because this is a shortened season. So uh, I just, yeah, the leash is very short for Tom Herman. And again, just with Texas, just trying anything they can to try to get this program back to where it was. And it just seems like year after year, it's just a complete failure and they're not taking any steps in the right direction. So but I don't know what to expect out of this team. In terms what blows of my mind future. though, and I don't, we can try to make sense of this. I don't think we can. I named all those programs, Baylor, balling out. Yeah. Like we've seen them. Baylor, I remember um, my year we went to, to the, uh, the playoff, it was Baylor and TCU that were the other two teams that they mm-hmm. were talking about putting in the in the college football playoff. Yep. Baylor's made yep. it to New Year's six bowl games. We've watched TCU have success recently. Yep. We watched and Tom Herman was at Houston when Houston was on that run having success. We've watched yep. SMU turn a lot of heads in the state of Texas. We were just talking about Texas AM. Why yeah. in the hell? Can't Texas get it together? Everybody else got the formula except for them. It's mind-boggling. The last time that I remember them being good is that national championship game with Vince Young and Matt Leinart and one of the best games I've ever watched. And that I mean, what year was that? Two thousand five. It had to have been two thousand five because I I was a senior, I believe, or I just graduated. I literally just graduated, so it was probably two thousand. Six? Let me it was check 2005. Like, was it five? Okay, so yeah, because 06 yeah. Ohio State was okay. playing a national yep. title, got their ass. No, you're right. Before. It was 2005 because I would have yep. been that would have been my first year and my first job. Okay, so, that yeah. is so crazy. That's crazy. You know what Isn't I was that doing so? that year? I don't even want to know, dude. Don't even age me like that. Okay. Don't even I'm age me like that. Not even gonna go there. I was a fifth grader because he's like probably kindergarten or something at like recess or something. Fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> there folks now you just knew how old i was nobody ever knows how old i am they think i'm way younger than i am well uh, figure out the numbers there with that sheesh. one i just gave it away okay well the other thing that i am enjoying talking about because i have talked like to nausea about this heisman always being a quarterback it's just been a quarterback for so many years. Maybe sprinkling a running back here and there. I'm so sick of it. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it's 2020. It's been a year of unpredictable things. So when they mentioned Kyle Pitts, the tight end, Florida, being in the Heisman early on just to throw his name in the pot, yeah. I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, get Kyle Pitts in there. I'm rooting for Kyle Pitts to win the Heisman as tight end. I, I mean, too. this guy's been impressive, man. With Between him, Kyle Trask, and Kyle Pitts, this, this guy has six touchdown catches in two games. Sure, it's a lot. <laughs> like, what a, uh, what a baller. Yeah, there's not a chance he wins a Heisman. Um, no, it I is, know, it, but I mean, I like to have fun with it. I like to I, dream. I agree, but you, you know? just don't get your hopes up. It's a quarterback competition. You know, it's a quarterback's award. I agree with you. They need to change the name. They need to change, change the, the, name. the criteria. 
you know, this yes. is not the, 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 what do they say? The most excellent or the best or whatever no. player in college no, football. Not. Cause I, I mean, oof. We, we can go on. We've, we've gone on about it before. That's been we've a topic. gone on about this. If for that segment, go back and look and look at the description in our podcast yeah. and you can listen to that segment. No, we've gone on, but I will say this. If you are, and I want to talk to a college defensive coordinator right now. If you're yeah. a college defensive coordinator, what is your game plan against that guy? He's too big for a cornerback, too big for yeah. a safety, too athletic and for a linebacker. You know, yeah. like, I, I, I mean, he splits out like a wide receiver, so he's going to put you on an island. He's going to make yeah. your, your your outside corner guard him. You're, I mean, in terms of matchups, you're not going to walk your safety down to play him on the isolated single side. You're not going to put a linebacker mm-hmm. on him to play him on the isolated single side. Like, what, what was – it's a cheat code. Essentially, he right? broke the game. You can't do anything. It's a nightmare. It is. A walking nightmare. Walking, running nightmare. I mean, it's – I'll tell you what. I don't like Florida. never have liked Florida. But the two guys that make me like Florida are Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I like those kids. I, can, I can't help but root for them. Um, that's a good like, – that's shaping up to be a good team. Now, the defense needs to get – get some stuff together but for the most part joshua i'm actually starting to look at this florida team like they could they could compete here at the top of the sec i uh i actually said that the other day did you i think now this is probably a, a little bit of a, a hotter take uh because georgia oh, had that, that ass first half against arkansas georgia's actually they're the one this year um i they're watched good. the way they're, that but they're, are you that convinced of their quarterback yes. situation? Doesn't you, matter. you are. You're you're completely convinced on Bennett. He doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to be elite. You want to because of why? everything that's around him. Because they can run for 300 yards, yeah. and and yeah. their defensive line is going to harass yeah. everybody. They held Auburn to 37 uh, yards rushing. I know. Bo Nix threw for right? 177. He was terrible, and it was because I, the D line is elite over at Georgia. Yeah. No, when you can play defense right the way now. that they did. I, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. to me, and, yeah. and they got I a mean, run game, a game that that doesn't quit. It's fantastic. Yeah, in that in that point, you can have a game manager as your quarterback. Yep. right? one hundred percent. So you're right. It's it's going to be fascinating to watch uh, them this weekend. Of course, everybody is giving Tennessee a lot of credit down here, and I get it. Jeremy Pruitt's done a good job of bringing in guys. They had a really good recruiting class. Um, they are starting to get things together on the line. They had Cade Mays who got transferred over from Georgia to be with his brother. And that line is, is stout. Like that old line is, is top of the line in the SEC, but they still have some things in terms of convincing um, to do when they take on a team like this in Georgia. Like this is a whole nother animal that they're about to take on, but I'm really curious as to see how this shakes out. I I'm with you. It's, it's going to be it, fun. It, it's going to be so fun to watch it. Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll talk about it next week. Well, uh, first of all, you've counted on restaurants. They are counting on you now. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they are still open for delivery with DoorDash, which I have ordered a lot. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to the door. Ordering is easy. Just open that DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside the door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. So choose your 
favorite restaurant. You can do like Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are also open for delivery. Don't forget that. So just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. And right now, listeners can actually get $5 off that zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. So make sure when you go to DoorDash app, type in Blue Wire, and don't forget, Blue Wire is the code to get $5 off your first order with DoorDash. So the Pac-12 is coming back, and not as soon as the Big Ten, but it is coming back. And so I'm starting to get excited about having Washington State football to look forward to. I'm, I'm curious as to what Coach Rolovich is going to do there, taking over for Mike Leach and so on and so forth. Um, they did get out the schedule, Joshua, which is, you know, listen, I – I put a lot of crap on the Pac-12. You know this. Mm-hmm. I'm very open about it. I'm I'm very transparent, people. I'm not a person who likes to sugarcoat things. In life, we ain't okay? hiding. Right? I mean, deal with it. You have to in life sometimes. Just face it head on. But I don't like Larry Scott. And that's who I don't like. And that's why I think the Pac-12, I give a lot of crap to because of Larry Scott. I don't want it to see it brought down to the level it's brought down to. I want to see it succeed. Um, but that's just not going to happen until Larry Scott gets the hell out of there. But mm-hmm. they have announced their schedule. And what I thought was interesting, Joshua, is they did decide to do eight games on Friday night. So this is something the Pac-12 sprinkled in here and there over the last couple of years. Now they're putting a good eight games uh, this year on Friday night. I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea, to tell you the truth. Yeah, so... I, uh, I know it's different, but I mean, they need attention and they're not going to get attention on Saturdays because they play at midnight. Well, that was the thing that I was just getting ready to bring up. They're trying out the, the 9 a.m. Pacific. They want to get into that big noon right. Fox window. They do. They're doing everything right now. Everything right now to get eyes on them. Yeah. They, they, they want people, they do, but they really want people to see what's going on over there, which <laughs> I don't know how much people actually want to see it, <laughs> but they want people to see it. So it'll be right. interesting. I give them a lot of credit for doing that. Yeah. I mean, you got to see what works and what doesn't, and this is the year to do it. And now crazy thing to come out of the Pac-12 this last week was Arizona head coach, Kevin Sumlin, who actually came from Texas A&M was diagnosed with COVID-19. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those things where we haven't heard a lot of these coaches come out and say like, oh, I've had it. I wonder how many have really had it, you know, Mm -hmm. because I don't think a lot of them are going to come out and say that. But, you know, Kevin Sumlin um, has been diagnosed with COVID-19. Obviously, he's recovering everything. It should be fine. But it should be a reminder to everyone that this is still happening. This is still going on. This is still a pandemic. You know, you have to make sure you're not only taking care of yourself, but you're thinking about others. And that's what it comes down to. Hmm. You see these guys like this that probably do the right things because they're coaching a a big football team. And unfortunately, it's so contagious that people that get it, it doesn't mean they're not doing the right thing. I'm not going to say that and I'm not going to shame people because it's just so unpredictable. But it's a reminder that, this can get anyone. Well, I, I feel like you're um, you're preaching to the choir. I think we should take this clip and um, send it to DC potentially, and um, <laughs> let them make of this clip what they want to make of it. Not going not right? to get too far down that rabbit hole. Um, I agree with you one hundred percent. This thing is 
it's prevalent. It's still happening. Um, we might not be hearing it. And, and to, to your point about how many people have really had it, Eli Drinkwitz, the Mizzou coach, called out yeah. the reporting of COVID-19 testing in the SEC, said it was kind of a free-for-all. He said that he had no idea what's going on with the other teams from week to week. Yeah. And then he said that all the policies above his head. So imagine being a, a power five conference head yeah. coach and you have no idea what's going on in terms of a global pandemic and how it's affecting other teams that you're preparing to play. Yeah. That's just mind boggling to me. It's kind of wild. You know? It really is. And I, I had firsthand kind of, um, see, I had firsthand kind of not knowledge, but like, just the situation I've been in this past week with the Tennessee Titans, they were the first NFL team to have an outbreak. And, you know, there's all this stuff about the league is investigating and so on and so forth. But when it comes down to it, because this virus is so unpredictable, the NFL protocols that were put in place weren't enough. So, you know, when Tennessee had a coach, one coach test positive on Saturday morning, they tested all the players and the players tested negative. Unfortunately, this virus incubates. Yes, and it does. It incubated in what I think the plane ride over or the plane ride back at some point, and that's how it spread. So those players could have tested negative, sure, but because that wasn't that the protocols weren't you have to test two days negative before you fly. Now they right. changed that with New England. Well, it should have already been that way. I right. I don't. I don't want to get too far into it. But I, I think that I don't I just I don't understand how that wasn't already the thought process of, OK, and I, I get they, they have timelines and there's stuff going on and everybody tested negative. So you think it's cool, but not to, again, take it there. But it's like that Rose Garden event. And then people said that they tested negative coming out of that event. You know, Kellyanne Conway said she tested negative twice and then tested positive. Right. And then, of course, her lion ass flipped the story to she tested negative once and then positive <laughs> twice. But the reality of the situation was she didn't test positive until multiple days after that event. But it's 100 percent the case that she contracted COVID at that event. Yeah, and so absolutely. the reality of the situation is that's why this thing is so complicated. And yep. um, the one of the things that I, I pat the Big Ten Conference on the back for is the rapid test that they're using, uh, the doctors mm-hmm. say that it can it can detect COVID before infectivity. So well, that's they, phenomenal. Can, they can get ahead of the curve. So they just extract hey. the, the one player who has it. And then they will continue wow. to test everybody and get the results on location right there. They don't have, there's no waiting. So even if somebody does come back, they're negative that day that they had to remove somebody, the next day somebody shows up and they're positive, they can grab that person right away. They don't have to wait two days, three days, four days in between tests. And that's where you start to see these big clusters form is the amount of time it takes to incubate in the the time between tests where folks are running around, coming in close contact with a lot of people. You're able to mitigate that. And it's a really cool thing that's going to happen in the Big Ten. That's yeah, that's really cool. And I I mean, that that's something that not a lot of people have access to. So, I mean, good for them for having that because geez if we had that everywhere that would be pretty cool to have the yeah. knowledge of it, it being that precise you know yeah. that's one of the, <laughs> um, the one of the things that the doctors say is most difficult about this virus it's it's really three things that they point to and there should be a fourth one on the on the back of it but the three things they say 
is the virus is novel. So they learn about it every day. Number two is yep. the testing aspect of this virus. It becomes really difficult for people to handle what's going on with the virus when they don't have a testing protocol. And then the third thing, um, this is kind of me just throwing this in there, is that uh, people believe what science they want to believe. And doctors will tell you that there's gray area even in science and medicine. And so it's just been really hard to control. But the fact of the matter is the fact that the, the testing isn't where they want it to be, but also we're learning what's going on with Corona and there's no drug for it, which is no. difficult. But those, those other three things definitely impact in a profound way. Well, that's, that's actually encouraging. Um, I did not know that. So thanks for informing me on that. Oh yeah. And before we go, we're going to get to uh, our last segment, which we have created and to get to know the coach. And we've had a little fun with this. We've so far gone through Nick Saban. We did um, PJ Fleck last week. That's Joshua's boy. Yep. And so I, I decided since we all had a rough week last week, we really needed to bring in somebody that we talked about that you really enjoy. That yeah, really this just, is actually my boy right here. Right. This is your boy. So I'm going to tag Lane in this and hopefully Lane, you know, will get some appreciation. He gets, he gets a lot of crap sometimes, but we're going to give Lane a little love on this podcast. So we are talking about Old Miss's head coach, Lane Kiffin, that clearly he's in his first year at Old Miss coming, coming over from FAU. But this guy has a long coaching history, not saying he's that old, but he's been a lot of places. Yes, he has. He's, uh, he's, he's been a lot of places. He, at times, has probably screwed up. Um, he's probably pissed off a lot of people along the way. Sure. But when it all comes down to it, man, is he entertaining to have in college football. I mean, I, there was a, a cover story on ESPN this week with him and Saban because they're playing each other this week. And it was him and Saban on the sidelines. And when he was playing, when he was coaching for Saban, I mean, those sideline moments, I would savor. I would go back and watch those sideline moments and their arguments on a daily basis because it was oh, so yeah. great. It, it was such great entertainment. If you've never seen them, I really highly recommend you go to YouTube and just type in Lane Kiff and Saban on the sideline. And there will be things that come up. But so... You would think Lane Kiffin, just the kind of way he carries himself, is like a California guy. Was born in California, but he's actually from Lincoln, Nebraska. Sure, he that's is. his that's his native you know state is Nebraska. Yeah, uh, he did play quarterback though at Fresno State. So his kind of California vibes that he gives off sometimes they they started pretty early as he was there. He wasn't really the starting quarterback. And that's why he decided to go into coaching. So I remember this moment when I was covering the the All Star game. The the help me with this. The big game in Mobile. I'm I'm like the was the Senior Bowl. Right senior Bowl. Thank you. When I was at Alabama, it's like one of my first full time sports jobs. We went down to cover the Senior Bowl because we had some Auburn and Alabama players there. And I remember seeing Lane Kiffin. It was his first season with the Raiders. Mm. Because in 2007, he became the youngest head coach in the NFL, hired by the Oakland Raiders. So do you, rem do you remember that, or were you in kindergarten then, too? Well, that have been 2007, 2008. I've been an eighth grader. There we go. Were you yeah. paying attention to the NFL at that point? Uh, not really, no. So you wouldn't remember any of this? 
No. I'm just I'm educating you and oh, the listeners. I say I, I know the timelines. Like I'm 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 a I'm actually a uh, a Lane Kiffin fan. So I know you know like youngest head coach in the NFL at the time. Right. You know he had his little deal Tennessee. You, you know, know how he left in the middle of the night at Tennessee, yep. which is still talked about to this day. Yeah. Where is he at then? Uh, USC. USC. Where that was his dream. He's had many dream jobs. Yeah. Because his dad was Monty Kiffin. Yeah, and that's why he was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, because his, right. his dad was coaching there, defensive coordinator. Because Monty was coaching there, yeah. defensive and, and coordinator, absolutely. His dad, dad is a legendary coach for folks who don't know that. Like, he's a pioneer of – Oh, of, yeah, very you know, well like, respected. A, a, a type of defense, really, what they – that um, that um, three deep, you know, like really aggressive hybrid type of uh, defense that we see some teams have really good success with right now. Like, he was the guy who pioneered yeah. that. Yeah. No, he, he's, I mean, very well respected. And that's clearly how Lane got his in with coaching. Um, you don't just jump right into coaching. But so I will say this. Have you ever, have you ever watched Tosh.0 on Comedy Central? Um, yes, I have. Have you ever seen the Lane Kiffin skits? Sure. When he was at Alabama. I mean, these are like priceless. I just, I went today to rewatch some of them when I was doing this segment when I was typing everything in because I was like, I've got to see these again. Cause every time Tosh did, cause his producer at Tosh.0 was Alabama grad. So they always incorporated Alabama stuff. But when Kiffin was there, it was like the best stuff to be able to just put Kiffin in. There. It was like, it was like comedy at its highest. Cause you could just put Kiffin in and it, it was a segment of its own. So yeah, he, um, I, I watched it. It was, it was, um, like Kiffin's Crimson Corner, but yep. it was, yep. it was three K's and they were in Alabama. Yep. So there was just comedy all over the place. Folks, folks, pick I think his, that. his ex-wife was in one, of, like not yeah. actually her, but they were like yes. portraying her and they got, kept getting all these callers and oh. they either were saying stuff about his wife or saying oh. stuff about the offense. You have to watch it. <laughs> it's, you have to watch it. It's so funny, you guys. And Tosh does such a good job. Like, he kind of looks like a really skinny anorexic, like Lane Kiffin. Yeah, he does. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, his yeah. face, he kind of has that face Yeah. Um, of Lane Kiffin. I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have used that. A slightly smaller Lane Kiffin. No, um, he's definitely. Uh, Lane has, um, he is, he's set into his, um, coaching weight very gracefully over the last life. few years because i remember looking right. at him when we played in 2014 when we played alabama and he was he was a little bit more slender around that time he was. i was covering you guys i remember talking to lane it was the first press conference that saban let him talk at was actually at the <laughs> was at the semifinals. i told you that yep which is wild in itself so let me let me hit this on on Lane Kiffin too. So he's okay. rumored to use an alias when he's out and about. Joey what? Freshwater is his alias. You know, go to bars. <laughs> that's what he. That's what he'll say. And I, I can't remember oh. where he was coaching, but he was getting ready to play. I think he was at FAU, and they they were getting ready to play FIU. And he posts okay. a photo of an Alabama fan wearing a jersey. Nameplate says Jay Freshwater number sixty nine on the jersey and he posted that on his twitter like he is one of the greatest coaches on social media as well 
That is incredible. His, oh yeah, you guys, his social media, if you don't follow Lane Kiffin on Twitter, and I know not everybody uses Twitter, it's really a good source if you're a sports person. If you like sports, Twitter's actually the best social media platform to go to. Because these coaches actually, a lot of them have their own accounts and tweet. I mean, Mike Leach is another example. These coaches are must like follows. Yeah, and they are. Kiffin is definitely in that boat. I, I mean, the stuff we get on a daily basis from that guy, it's just great. It's great. It's absolutely content. amazing. Um, real I'm, quick. I'm for it. Yeah. I'm going to circle back. So uh, I was talking about Monty Kiffin. So he, he was like Pete Carroll's mentor. So that's Pete mm-hmm. Carroll gets all of his defensive roots. Pete Carroll was, he's the cover three guy. That's what they play. It's aggressive. It's fantastic. Kiffin was a, a pioneer of Tampa two. So they were a little yes. bit different in terms of philosophy, but it evolved into the same aggressive type of defense. Like, I, I don't know, just on a, on a football nerd type of thing, you get that, but it's tying this together at some point. Yeah. Monty was a defensive football guy. Lane Kiffin is a great offensive mind. And it's always interesting to watch that kind of stuff play out because I always say if I became a coach, I would coach offense because of what I know about defense. I would learn everything I need to learn about offense because I know exactly the pain points of every defense that I've played. And I've played in all kinds of defenses. So it's really unique seeing the son of one of the the greatest defensive minds, pioneer, the cover two, and then Pete Carroll's mentor evolved into that cover three that he likes based off of some of the same principles, become a guy who knows how to attack all of those defenses so well. It only makes sense. It's funny because I was actually going to ask you about that and you brought it up anyway. So we were on the same wavelength with that, but I think you hit it right on the noggin there. I mean, you, you grow up with a dad who has, you know, studied the defensive side of the ball so much and it's only natural for you to start to see how, you know, offenses can be successful or can, you know, go against what you're, you know, used to seeing so much of, of planning of. So yeah, I think it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, Lane Kiffin is a, a great offensive mind and he's had years to kind of shape that and hey, I'm I want him to have success at Old Miss. I, I I hope he does. It it's great to have him in the SEC. It's added entertainment here, so I ain't going to hate. Um and hopefully you all got to know Lane Kiffin a little more. Maybe you like him more after this, right? Everybody should love him. He's he's a lovable guy. He is. He definitely is. So, Lane, hopefully you like this if you listen, because I am going to tag you. So, <laughs> um, Well, that does it for this episode of Press Pass. I can't believe we are just two episodes away from 100 Century, League, Century Club. I can't talk tonight. Go figure. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, why am I even like a TV personality? Because my words sometimes just don't come out clear. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm not perfect. So Nobody is. Deal with it. Okay? Deal Bam. with it. Okay. Deal with it. Deal with it. That's my that's all like what I say to everything. Just deal with it. So where can the fine people, the fine listeners go to follow you on social media? What we were talking about, Twitter. If you don't like have a Twitter account, just make up something and just go see what happens on Twitter at least. You don't yes. have to tweet. You can find your boy Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. Got some some fun things going down on the timeline. 
but only if you want them to go down. You have to be the ones. I can't do it by myself, folks. Can't do it by himself. You got it. You got to strike up some sort of conversation there, so he can he can have his uh, he can spark some really good back and forth combo. So I just highly recommend you go and try to pick his brain. And it can be about anything. I mean, we've talked about fast food restaurants. We've talked yes. about Instagram. Nineties R and B personalities. Right? R&B. Oh my God. That's like my favorite one. Uh, So we have, he talks anything topic wise. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kayla Anderson TV. And that'll do it. Man, I'm excited for this weekend. We're getting closer to the Big Ten return, the Pac-12 return, and we'll have more to talk about. But uh, everybody enjoy a good weekend of college football. And we will be back here same place, same time next week. Take care, guys. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action on Bet Online. Bet Online is going that extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that promo code BlueWire, betonline.ag.